Hey, it's Kevin. Before we go into this episode, I want you to know that if you're struggling out there with mental health, you're not alone. You can call or text the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or text HELLO, H-E-L-L-O, to 741-741. Listener discretion is advised as we talk about mental health and mental illness in this episode. Kevin and Lizzie chat about life. Welcome back to another episode. Hey, it's Kevin here. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Kevin and Lizzie Chat About Life. What kind of tea are you drinking, Lizzie? This week, I have True Blueberry, which is an herbal herbal tea by Celestial Seasonings. I have Passion by Tazo, which is passion flower tea. That's the one that was a little tart before, wasn't it? Yes, a little tart. How's it taste today? Tastes pretty good. Good. I didn't steep it for as long. Good. Good. So last episode, if you joined us, we talked about burnout and the stress cycle, and our thought for the week was to listen to your body's cues of stress, how did you feel when you were stressed, and to choose an activity from our list in order to um, close your stress cycle. So Lizzie, I tried this because this was a stressful week. I tried the 20-second hug, creative expression through music, and physical activity. I definitely noticed the benefits of that, and I felt more peaceful as a result. However, as we are going to explain in this episode, this was still a very challenging week for me for other reasons. Right. So sometimes you can do everything possible to close your stress cycle, but still experience other challenges, which we're going to go into. And I stuck by my tried and true method, which is physical activity with dog walks and daily workouts. This week, we are taking the podcast in a different direction. Earlier in the week, I had a friend message me on Facebook, shout out to Claudia, about how I treat my migraine disorder. It seems as though that would be a simple question. However, when responding to this question, I found that it's actually a long story. It's more of a journey than a do this and you'll immediately feel better response. And it was also weirdly coincidental because like I alluded to before, this was a really challenging week for me as I struggled with an ongoing migraine. Right. So this podcast is inspired by what happens in our lives, personally and professionally. So since migraines were front and center this week, we thought we would walk you through the journey that Kevin was just discussing. And it's a journey that we have gone on. I say we because this migraine disorder not only affects the migraine sufferer, but it also affects the um, other people in his or her life. So we're going to talk about that journey we've gone on together. Yeah, and I've been on both sides of that role. I've watched my mother become a full-time caregiver to my father, who is diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And as someone that was in his life, as his son, it definitely affected me, you know, just as much as it affected him. I'm not here to minimize how much it affected him, but here to talk about how it affects those around us. And today, I'm going to be the one that's taking on the role of the person with the illness. It's going to be a hard conversation to have out loud, um, but... I really want to be vulnerable and talk about it because through that adversity, I've really changed. And I'll be talking about the role of a caregiver. And I just want to give Kevin some props here for uh, being very open and vulnerable in this conversation about something that he didn't always feel comfortable talking about. Yeah. And I'll say that last night we were with our dear friends, 
Yeah. In fact, it was our first social gathering post-vaccine, and it was really awesome to see everybody in person again. Yeah. So shout out for the vaccine and shout out for close friends. It's been a while. And those friends were telling me how much they accepted me and how much they appreciated the podcast. So I felt safe today to kind of open up a little bit and take this podcast into a more serious space. So I wanted to say that the inspiration behind this episode comes from a quote by Aaron Ralston. Aaron says, adversity is the source of our deepest growth and greatest blessings. Embrace it. Dare to seek it. Through the adversity of my migraine journey, I grew more as a person and learned more about myself than I ever thought possible. You see, I've always struggled with migraines. I've had them for my whole life, and I always thought that it was something that I was doing wrong or whatever, but that's something we'll talk about, I guess, in a little bit. Migraines run in my family, and recent statistics show that one in seven people worldwide struggle with various types of different headaches, not just the migraine headaches. There's a good chance that someone in your life right now might struggle with a chronic headache. I want to start there. Tell them that they're not alone. And that's important because normalizing any health struggle, mental mental or physical, is what helps everybody create that support system. So we're going to talk specifically in this podcast because of what Kevin suffers is a migraine headache. And it's one that has symptoms such as pain, but as we'll talk about, has varying other symptoms on one side of the head, or it can be on both sides of the head. Yeah, 90% of the time, my headache's right above my left eyebrow. And speaking of symptoms, another symptom of migraine sufferers is mood swings. Yeah, and I'm really sorry about that, honey. I know it's out of your control, so I see you with compassion and empathy. However, from a caregiver role, it wasn't always that way. I Before we learned what your migraine triggers were and when when your migraines were coming on and what the signs were, um, my feelings would get hurt. And I would take Kevin's behavior personally. And and now I can recognize that he's having or about to have a migraine episode almost before he does. So I know what what behaviors are quote-unquote migraine behaviors, and I know it's not about me. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. And another symptom is sensitivity to light, sounds, smell, and touch. Yeah, I think it's well known that people with migraines prefer to be in a dark, quiet room. I know that's the you know the same for me, and that was what it was like growing up for me as well. Sound sensitivity, actually, though, for me is really worse. Um, but all different types of sensitivity affect me. Uh, one of my neurologists one time said, it's like my brain is on fire and everything, every external stimuli is just fuel. So while my brain's burning, it's like that noise, that noise, that noise is just more fuel. And then that light, that smell, that touch, different fuel for that fire. That sounds incredibly uncomfortable. And the last symptom that I think is important to talk about is upset stomach and vomiting. Yeah, that really sucks. And it's also important to note that every migraine sufferer experiences their migraines differently. So these are just some general symptoms, and we're going to talk specifically about Kevin's journey. Yeah, I mean, these are just the top four that people usually talk about when they're talking about migraines. And migraines have various different triggers, which can include my diet, my stress level, my sleep, my general sense of self-care, or sometimes lack thereof. Um, as well as the weather, which is actually my biggest trigger. Ohio weather is not good for migraine sufferers. 
and the weather is sort of how we're going to tie this podcast into something that happened this week because, yeah, Ohio weather came and said, hey, Kevin, what's up on Wednesday of this week? Yeah, we got a big snowstorm this week. Um, And one time one of Kevin's neurologists joked with him that he is a meteorologist because his body predicts when the weather pattern is going to change. Yeah, I see. Came into the uh, what do you what would you call that the the exam room, and he was like, "Oh, so you're a meteorologist?" And he was kind of jo- joking about it. And I said, "Yeah, I am." And then he was like, "Oh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that." <laughs> yeah. So earlier in the week, the weather was mild and pleasant, low sixties and some sun. And then on Wednesday, as Liz said, we had a snowstorm. We woke up to several inches of snow. So what happened was Monday afternoon, my body sensed the weather shift and I got some of those early symptoms of a migraine. They call that period the prodome period. Don't ask me why. I'm not sure what that word seems to indicate. You can ask someone from a medical profession. They'll probably be able to explain it a lot better than I can. And for me, in that prodome period, I start to yawn an awful lot. And I don't mean like just the casual yawn. I mean like yawn over and over and over so much that my jaw starts hurting and my eyes water and I can't get them to not water anymore. Um, And I also start to get auras. So some people with migraines have this thing called aura where it kind of tells your body that, hey, something's kind of off and something's about to happen. So for some people, their aura is like a weird taste. For some, it's tinnitus, like a ringing in the ear. For me, it's usually visual. Either things will start to go blurry or I'll start seeing double vision, or most often I'll see glitter falling from the sky, when in fact there is no glitter. I was not glitter bombed. It's just glitter falling from the sky. So those symptoms were what you experienced Monday afternoon, which was before the weather changed, but the front was coming, so you could tell. Yeah, Monday afternoon into Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon is when the full migraine came on. The mind-numbing pain, the light sensitivity, upset stomach, Wednesday was just the day that we had the snow. We woke up and I had to clean my car off. There's probably like three inches out there. And I just kind of felt exhausted from the night before because, like I said, Tuesday afternoon is when the full migraine came on. So Tuesday night, it just kind of sucked the life out of me. And Wednesday, I was just kind of meh and exhausted. And then Wednesday evening, I actually started to feel a little bit better. So explain to them what happens when you start to come out of the migraine and feel better. It's kind of funny in a way. I get hyper and I feel a sense of euphoria. I get very talkative and almost hypomanic. And for those that don't know what hypomanic is, is it's not mania, but it's sort of just like a hyper restless, agitated state. I can be really annoying in that state. So I apologize because I get really talkative and there's a lot of useless information my brain holds on to all the time. And during those times, it just releases that useless information on unwilling participants. So that was Wednesday. And then Thursday Thursday started off like an ordinary day. However, when I woke up and went to work, I knew I felt off in some certain way. And I don't know how to describe that off feeling other than thinking about the scene from Christmas Vacation. You remember that movie, Liz? Yes. Where Clark Griswold has all those lights and they're all plugged in to one switch and he goes out into the yard and he's like, all right, dump the dum. We're going to plug the lights in. They're all going to turn on. And he plugs it in and nothing happens. So his wife Ellen goes in and then flips the switch to look f- to see if there's a plug that's not plugged in correctly. 
and all the lights go on. And then when she's done investigating the plug, she turns the lights off. She flips the switch, which then turns the lights off. That's the best way I can think of to describe it. All the different connections in my brain are either like switched on or switched off. And it fluctuates like by, you know, second by second. Okay. So that was very circuitous. So you're describing your brain, your migraine brain on Thursday after you had come out of the pain. Yeah. But you felt a little off. But I felt off. Yeah. So I felt better, but still off. And I started going about my business on Thursday when during the middle of running my second group, I started losing track of reality. Okay, so explain to us what that means. What does that feel like? Yeah, so I started feeling like I was floating above my body, but not inside my body. I hear people talking. I could hear that they were making words and people were talking, but my brain was not able to process those words. If anybody's ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, like when he's on the beach and the sound gets kind of weird and he can hear like people talking, but it sounds echoey, that's the best I can kind of describe it. My brain was not able to really process their words. I could hear them talking. And then my brain wasn't able to like speak those words either or make those connections. So the medical term for that is aphasia. And aphasia mimics a stroke, but it's not really a stroke. And it's something that kind of took a long time for us to figure out what was going on because what happens is the left side of my body goes numb and limp. And I end up looking like I've had a stroke, but it's not a stroke. It's aphasia. So when that happened, I had to apologize to you know to the people in group, like, hey, at the end there, I want to make sure everybody was heard and everybody was listened to, and if I wasn't making any sense, you know, let me know and I can clarify things. And then I had to kind of drag my left leg and left arm out of there and back into my office. Did you explain to them at that time in group the, what your condition was? No, I just said I had a really bad migraine. Okay, because from an outside perspective, it can look scary, um, like Kevin likened it to a stroke. And the first time that it happened to him was in 2017. And I remember getting um, panic texts and his coworkers thought he was having a stroke or maybe a TIA, which which is a transient ischemic attack, which mimics a brief stroke. Yeah, it looks scary to others and it feels really scary inside the body. What used to happen is that it would make me really fearful, and when my anxiety takes over, it makes all those symptoms actually a lot worse, which is no good. So back in 2017, when it happened the first time, we had no idea that it was related to his migraines. So he was hospitalized. He had to go through a lot of tests to finally figure out what it was, and we had to then learn a lot about it and then educate others you know, that, hey, if this happens, he's not having a stroke, even though it looks like he might be. What we discovered was that this type of migraine is called hemiplegic migraine. And of course, it's rare, which sucks. And it's also hereditary, which double sucks. As I stated earlier, if I let my fear and anxiety take over, I really makes the symptoms a lot worse. So on Thursday, in that moment, what I had to do was during group, while people were talking, I had to do some deep breathing, some mindfulness skills to kind of calm my body and calm my anxiety symptoms and do some positive self-talk to remind myself that, okay, this isn't a stroke. Nobody's judging me for this. It's not something I did on purpose. It's really happening and don't make it worse than it is by, you know, kind of letting your fear run rampant. So that was Thursday. And then 
I went home, went to bed, woke up Friday, and still felt kind of off. Sometimes when that hemiplegic attack happens, it lasts for about 24 hours. And usually it follows after you've had migraine symptoms for about three days. That seems to be your pattern. If you have a migraine that doesn't go away after three days, then you can probably guarantee that a hemiplegic migraine is going to strike. Yeah, so that's what happened this week. I was able to kind of, you know, get through the week and do all the things that I know how to do from the journey I've been on. And I'm here today to talk about it. And, you know, I'm no worse for the wear today. So where do you want our conversation to go from here? So we've talked about what migraines are. We've talked about the symptoms that you get and your hemiplegia. Where are we headed next? So I want to talk about something that I've not talked about publicly before. And I want to be vulnerable. And I am doing so to kind of normalize this for others. How has migraine disorder affected my life? Right after the break. And we're back. So right before the break, I summed up our first part conversation about what migraines are, what Kevin's symptoms are, and now he wants to talk about how his migraines have affected us. Yeah, those migraines, well, you know, they make me sad. They make me frustrated, angry. Uh, for a long time, I felt as though I was doing something wrong. I felt as if the migraines were a result of my of something I did. And through that sadness and that frustration, there was some guilt, some worthlessness, some hopelessness and shame because I really thought that it was me that was the problem or that it was me that was wrong. You know, like I was somehow doing something detrimental to myself to, you know, to bring a migraine on. And you went through a lot of if onlys. Well, if only I would do this, or well, if I would do this, my migraines would get better. Yeah, I got to a place where I'd be like, I got a migraine today. Oh, I didn't take a 20 minute walk of aerobics. Is that what happened? Is that why I have a migraine? And then I'd beat myself up for that one. No, it's not just one thing, it's usually layers of stuff. But we'll talk about that in a minute. What I would do was I would wear a mask to hide my pain from others. And when we're talking about shame, shame is real pain. So, I want to talk and make sure that we're aware that when I say that hide my pain from others, I don't mean the physical manifestation of the pain above my eyebrow. I mean the internal pain, the internal pain of having this disorder and not knowing what was going on. And I used to think about this poem by Lawrence Dunbar called We Wear the Mask. It's a poem about how African-Americans hide their pain and suffering and happiness from white America. It's from the turn of the century. It's an older poem. And I wanted to mention that because that's how my brain works. I have certain phrases or mottos stuck in my head from reading them or listening to them. And as a literature major in college, my mind goes to literature in times like that. Of course, I'm not likening myself to the plight of the African-American person in Harlem in 1915, but... Sort of that. I have to put this mask on. I have to kind of hide the pain that's inside because my day job was that of a counselor. You know, it's not my client's job to counsel the counselor, right? So I wanted to mention that because it's a really good poem, and I like to drop that kind of information education in my in my ramblings. And I want to give credit where credit's due. 
None of this is my own. My words and actions are all laid on the foundations of those who came, saw, and did before, including Lawrence Dunbar and the poem, We Wear the Mask. Okay, so back to your mask. Yeah, by putting on the mask, I was suppressing my emotions and feelings. Of course, there are times where we need to wear a mask, where the situation might call for it. However, through the books and education from people like Brene Brown and Dr. Kristen Neff, I know how much that suppression of feelings affected me. When I suppressed my thoughts and my feelings about the migraines, well, I suppressed every other emotion too. Happiness, joy, laughter. I suppressed so many feelings that eventually I became numb. I became empty and void of emotion. I struggled for migraines for my whole life. My mom told me a story that when I was a kid, she took me to a doctor around age five, and the doctor said I was the most stressed out five-year-old he had ever seen. And I definitely felt that as a kid. I struggled with migraines growing up through school, through college, after college, in graduate school, through graduate school, after graduate school. In 2014, my father died after a long battle with Parkinson's. He had been dying since 1996. His mind was dying, you see, not his body. And it wasn't officially until April of 2014 that his body died as well. He was gone mentally, like I said, for about those 20 years. But his body, when that finally was gone, that's when all that grief kind of settled in. And it was right at that time that I was going through finals of grad school. Um, we were having his funeral and doing that kind of stuff. And I was also going to be leaving in a week or two to go to Africa for two months or two weeks. Sorry. And what was interesting was at that time I was having like one to two migraines per week. And then I went to Africa and I had zero migraines for two weeks. The entire time I was there, it was a new country, a new diet, new weather, different lifestyle, very distinct time change, long flights, totally out of, you know, the eating schedule and sleeping schedule and all that kind of stuff that my body was used to. See, with migraines, the body likes homeostasis. Going to Africa, I was completely out of that comfort zone, but I didn't get a migraine. I really struggled to understand why. And then when I came back, back to the weekly migraines. I got migraines during my counseling internship and then went through years working as a clinician for the first time. My migraine episodes would get worse and worse and worse. I remember that time in uh, November of 2016, I think it was, I had a migraine for like 39 days in a row um, until I had a medical procedure that put me under anesthesia and then that kind of snapped the streak of migraines. Um, it led me to different doctors and medicines and different types of therapies, but it didn't help. It just left me kind of feeling empty and it was putting an even greater burden on my relationship with Liz. And then I had a hospital stay for a couple days. I was off of work for a while. I went through a bunch of stuff. I did not realize that what I was doing was really that entire time was wearing a mask and suppressing my feelings. And like I said, I was, a bit, I was over time slowly making myself numb 
And those feelings of numbness was really putting a toll on my relationship with Liz. Well, not only the feelings of numbness, but the the medical situations that you were going through. You know, there were many times when Kevin couldn't care for himself or he was unsafe to be alone. And so my role in our relationship as the migraines intensified and got more frequent shifted from spouse to caregiver many times over the years. And there were times where I would have to leave school in an emergency. You know, Kevin started missing a lot of work, which put a financial strain on us. Our families also had burdens placed on them when they were called in to help out. So like we said earlier, it's not just the migraine sufferer that suffers. It's the entire support system. Right. So I want to put in a trigger warning here. Listener discretion is advised. When you realize that you're struggling with feeling emptiness and a numbness and you're void of everything, including hope, what is there left for li- to live for? That began my struggle with suicide. And to be more specific, suicidal thoughts. I'll be brief because this podcast is not meant to trigger others. However, I believe it's important for our podcast, Liz and I's podcast, to normalize mental health. There are people out there who struggle with suicidal thoughts. It's a myth in our culture that talking about suicide increases the rate of suicide. That has not been proven true. And in fact, the opposite has been proven true, that the more we talk about it, the risk goes down. So I know people are out there struggling. Please reach out for help. I struggled with suicidal thoughts. I was feeling that emptiness and that void of hope. And like I said before, I was thinking it was all my fault. And so if it's all my fault that my relationship's struggling, the finances are struggling, I'm out of work because of these migraines, I started putting it all on myself. And then I figured, well, if I'm not here, everything will be better. Well, that turned into a psychiatric hospital admission for a few days, followed by six weeks of a partial hospitalization program, sort of like the intensive outpatient program I run right now, or help run, co-facilitate with another person. Um, That led to FMLA from work, which then led me to leaving work, which then led me to questioning whether I wanted to be a counselor ever again or not. And I want to give Liz Liz some credit here. During that journey, she had to take on a lot. She had to assume many roles and responsibilities during that time. Without her support, there's no way I'm still here. That's for sure. Liz even inspired me to start listening to Brene Brown's podcast called Unlocking Us, which is the inspiration for the podcast you're listening to right now. So thank you, Liz. I really appreciate that. And like I said, I'm here today because of you. Wow. Thank you, and you're welcome. And that's um, a lot of heavy stuff that you just laid out there. So thank you for being open and vulnerable, and hopefully this helps somebody. So all that I can add to this is, you know, my knowledge of migraines and mental health has just grown exponentially through this journey that we have gone on together, and I'm proud to still be here by your side. Yeah, and when you led me to Brene Brown... Um, She said, I now see that owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we will ever do. And that changed my life. It really did. It really did change my life. 
Okay, so now that your life has changed, where are we now? We're a year and a half past uh, your hospitalization for suicidal thoughts, and where are you? What has been the most successful thing in helping you deal with and live with your migraines and being a healthy, successful adult? Well, my migraines now, thankfully, are down to about one to two days per month instead of 14 or more days a month. I went through every type of medication known to man, or so it seems. I know that's hyperbole to say, but I went through a lot of different medications and vitamins. I went through once-a-month shots like Amovig and Ajovi. I went through Botox shots. I went through various forms of part-time work, full-time work, part-time work with accommodations, full-time work with accommodations. I went through physical therapy twice for my neck. Uh, I went through various counselors and psychologists. I even went to a chiropractor. Uh, I went through massage therapy. I went through that partial hospitalization program that was after the suicidal thoughts. And I also went through an intensive outpatient group for an entire month solely based on treating migraine disorder. I was at Cleveland Clinic for a month with three other people. And the criteria for that program was you needed to have migraine 14 days or more per month. And in that program, we learned all different types of stuff. We learned about migraines. We learned about how to treat them, how to handle them, what causes them. And we did some biofeedback. We did therapy. We did art therapy. We did so much. And it wasn't just that program. And it wasn't just that medicine. And it wasn't just that physical therapy or that counselor. It was sort of everything. The psychologist that I used to see said that it's not just one thing that makes thing, makes us worse. And it's not just one thing that makes us better. It's layers. It's layers that have led me here and layers that I have to dig through now to figure out what to do. And instead of focusing on one single layer or focusing on self-pity, which I will say I was stuck in for a little bit, I adopted the role of, well, what now? The what now was really dealing with my mental health. Learning how to handle stress and processing trauma has helped me so much. And I think about that five-year-old kid at the doctor's office when the doctor is saying, oh, it's the most stressed out five-year-old I ever met. Like I said, I really relate to that even now as an adult. I always felt that as a kid that I, I didn't know how to handle life, that I was somehow, not that I was different, in a better or worse way. It's just, I didn't know how to process life. And I always felt kind of as a pariah because of that. So learning how to handle life and handle stress and the processing trauma I've been through, I would say dealing with the mental health part was the most effective treatment for me. And that quote from Benet Brown that I mentioned earlier that I love so much, embracing the philosophy of loving myself through the process of dealing with the what now is the bravest thing I've ever done. And for a moment this past week, when I had that hemiplegic migraine attack, I remembered that struggle. I remembered all of those appointments, all of that treatment, all of those years. And the thing is, I told myself, I just have to love myself through this process. It's not my fault, but what now? So that's what I'm here to say today. 
Love yourself through the process. It's the process and the journey that's so important. I want to reflect back on that quote that I used to start the podcast off. Aaron Ralston. Adversity is the source of our deepest growth and greatest blessings. Embrace it and dare to seek it. And what I've found is that when I embrace that adversity, I succeed. And when I let adversity embrace me by denying my feelings and denying the reality of the situation, then adversity wins. It certainly has been a challenging journey, more so for you than for me, but um, it's a journey that I had no idea that I would go on back when we met 11 years ago. But that's what for better or worse in sickness and in health means. So I'm here. I will continue to support you and help you however I can. And I'm so very proud of how far you've come and how far we have come together. Yeah, I've never talked about that publicly before. So thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thanks for being here this week, guys. If you or someone you know is struggling, please reach out for help. Please. You are worth it. Our final thought for the week is the quote from Brene Brown that was so impactful on Kevin's life. I now see that owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we will ever do.